0: I've been in uh, Toronto, and I've been preaching all week long. And, and not like I normally preach. I mean all night long. Friday night, we didn't even get out of church until 1 o'clock in the morning. And I turned into a pumpkin at 12, so I had a big uh, pumpkin head. But it was a, a very sacred time. And so uh, I'm I'm hoping that you will give me uh, some help tonight and just let the Lord have his way. Anybody want the Lord to have his way tonight? Praise God. I have a message. It's from God. And I told the Lord, I wish I could preach this. sometime when I actually have strength I would love to do it the anointing well let me tell you about please be seated let me tell you about the I was invited to a Jamaican conference United Pentecostal Church group but uh, in Toronto we have a about a dozen Jamaican churches just like this church except Jamaican in Toronto maybe more we were talking about it he's gonna I'm gonna call him later this week and Get specific, but um, that church, <clears throat> pastored by Brother Audley, A U D L E Y Audley Castro, from Jamaica, is one of the largest Jamaican churches in the area. They uh, they run about six, seven hundred, something like that. And they just broke ground to build a church that would seat, that will seat close to 2,000. And they showed a film of the land. I didn't actually go look at it, but I saw the the mayor came. The mayor is behind it. And uh, they're still preaching holiness, so you don't have to compromise holiness to, to grow. They're growing. And I was the only white person... In the meeting. All the rest were Jamaican. And so they made me an honorary Jamaican. And they said they would overlook that I was white and we just wouldn't even think about it, wouldn't even pay attention. No, we know that's not true. They noticed I was white. Especially as the week went along and I got whiter and whiter and more and more tired. But I'm going to tell you, by Friday night, the glory... That's why we were there till 1 o'clock in the morning. The glory was so strong. Brother Castro said that he had not felt that type of glory since he was a young boy in Jamaica. That's what he said. There was such a powerful, stirring move of God. And, of course, in the middle of all of that, uh, I had not intended to go. I had promised you that I would not that I had scheduled certain meetings, that was it. But when, when they called a few months ago, <clears throat> and I started getting tempted to add that into my schedule, I said, no, 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 no. I, I, no, I promised I'm not going to do that. Lord said, oh, yes, you are. You're, gonna, you're adding that into your schedule. And so it was the Lord and me having a, a, a fuss about it. So I said, Lord, I'll go. So we 've been in heavenly places. How many feel the presence of the Lord that 's here tonight? Praise God there's no reason now i'm not going uh, <clears> to <throat> I, 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 I'm not going to be able to uh, use my voice to say it like I would like to say it, but i don't know why we think that God wouldn't call us to have a church of two thousand i'm not saying that He has, but i don't know uh, I don't know why we would think that we could not be the church that would impact South Atlanta that could make an absolutely profound difference. We could do that. And so tonight I want to talk a little bit about it. And uh, we, you might not think that's what I'm doing, but I'm talking about revival. And I'm, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 9. And I've asked Brother French, you got a mic mic there. Brother French will help me some. That may save me a little bit. And uh, I'm not usually this. And then, of course, on Saturday, I got up at 5. I flew all day. Then the uh, – how many heard that Washington Airport was shut down all day? Well, that closed down the eastern seaboard. And so our flight, my didn't get home till late – so I was like 15 hours, which I'm, I'm just saying that that affects my voice. It, and it also uh, is uh, more than I'm accustomed to. So <clears throat> here I am tonight, uh, but I'm, I'm going to obey the Lord and preach what the Lord has given me. And as, and I'm looking at verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, would it be all right if we just stood for a moment? I know you, you've been seated and you're comfortable. You're going to let me do all the work. That's okay. But if you could just stand, let's read a little. And, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was he was blind, born blind. Everybody say born blind. You can see how how uh, <laughs> how little uh, volume I have here. I'm talking about my own voice, not this. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was born blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did send this man <clears throat> or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. And that is the answer. Everybody say, praise the Lord. So Mormon doctrine that teaches that people are born from another world. They're born blind because of a former sin. That's not what Jesus said. He said, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. But by the way, I was preaching on Thursday night. I lost my voice completely, and the church started praying. It came back instantly. I mean, it was absolute miracle. Had my voice like I had never had... I never lost my voice a single time preaching all that time. And and folks, those Jamaican folks in Toronto, that's not to distinguish from Jamaican folks here in Atlanta. I'm just saying that those folks in Toronto, they don't let you stop when you want to stop. You say, and I'm closing. They say, oh, no, you're not. Hallelujah.
1: Praise God.
0: Praise God. Praise God. They just keep right on going. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. And I'm going, oh, hallelujah. Okay, here we go. Jesus answered, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. That's a very clever way to translate that. He made clay of the spittle. Can you say that with me? He made clay of the spittle. Oh, Lord, I wish I had. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Now God has given me a message tonight and I have entitled it, God isn't playing with the clay. God isn't playing with the clay. Brother French, can you lead us in prayer so I can save a little voice so I can preach? And let's just pray together. Come on. Lord, everybody, let's ask God's anointing. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray right now that our
1: hearts would be anointed Anoint. to receive the word God. I pray. That we will be responsive to the word, Lord. And we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Hallelujah. we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you,
0: Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. And you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Brother French, if I call a scripture, look it up and you might have to help me. So Brother French may do more than we originally intended. That way it will help me. Psalm forty. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me or that's Hebrew for he turned. He turned to me. And heard my cry. He brought me up also. I'm going to hold this a little bit closer, but I'm just just help me here. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. Psalm 40, verse 2. He brought me up out of a horrible pit. I, I'm so tempted to, to go deeper than I should. There's a great deal I want to say tonight, and I want to do it quickly. I don't want to be lengthy. I don't want us to be here till 1 o'clock. I, I hope nobody thinks that's what I meant by that. I'm not planning to be here. If you want to stay till 1, I'm, uh, that's wonderful. Who's the usher tonight? We'll let him know, and we'll we'll work that out. That's not what I mean, but he... He brought me up also out of an horrible pit. See, that word horrible there is in the Hebrew is very, very interesting, but I'm, I'm trying not to, to go too deep here. And out of the miry. Not, that's what I really am thinking about tonight. And, of course, mire is an English word, very interesting English word, that means to sink or to get uh, stuck in it. Um, And so the clay, which, of course, is another word for mud, but that's the last time I will use that English word. I'm going to use the word clay, and I'm doing it on purpose. So he brought me up also. Anybody here? The Lord brought you out of a horrible pit, out of the miry, sinking clay, and he set my feet upon a rock. Come on, Brother French, are you there? I'm going to have to let you help me read. He set my feet upon a rock. First, uh and established
1: two established my goings
0: and he established my goings
1: and he hath put a new song in my mouth, he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, praise
0: unto our God many Hallelujah. Shall see it
1: and fear many shall see it. That is to
0: be now. I'm now I'm preaching. I'm back to my subject. God is not playing with the clay.
1: God is not playing with the clay. Right. He put me out. He lifted me out. The Hebrew word brought there means like if you were to hand down a rope and lift them out of the miry clay. He brought me up out of a horrible
0: pit and right. out. Of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. And established my goings. And it put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it. That is they will see what God has done. And fear. That's okay. Fear is fine. But most translations... Prefer now to go with something like a maze, they, 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 uh, they will see it and be and revere that see the word fear has the idea of I'm standing in awe, I'm standing in fear in that sense. Fear kind of has a, a, a range there. so and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Keep going, brother French, help me here. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Makes the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud. And and doesn't, respecteth there means doesn't, Trust in them, or turn to the proud. Turn to those. Keep going. Here we go. Nor such as turn aside to lies. Yeah. Or turn aside to lies. Many, O
1: Lord, my God. Yes. Are the wonderful works which Thou hast done.
0: Everybody say, praise the Lord. (laughs) Many, O Lord, my God, are Thy wonderful works which Thou hast done. Can we just praise Him a little bit for what He's done? Thank you, Jesus. Thank
1: you, Jesus. For what you've done for me. Hallelujah. You brought me out of the miry clay. And you set my feet on the rock to stay. Praise God. You turned my life around. You made me what I am. You took me from a horrible pit. And you drew me out. Hallelujah. You brought me out. Of the miry clay. Oh yes 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 yes. Praise
0: God. Hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Many oh Lord my God. Are thy wonderful works. Which thou hast done. And thy thoughts. Which are. King James says us, us word. And I will stop there. Of course, that just means that you're you're thinking about me. Praise God. God is not playing with the clay. All of this imagery is describing the clay in the hands of God. Can we lift our hands and thank him for what he's done for us just a little bit here? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I want to remind you tonight that God has plans for you. I wish I had. I wish I could preach this because it's, it's God. Hallelujah. He, does, he has plans to fill these pews up. Some of you don't because that might take away from what you're used to. But God has plans to do wonderful things for you. God has plans for your children. In fact, God has more plans than some of you have. God has plans for your grandchildren. I feel this in the Holy Ghost.
1: He has already planned it. And he isn't playing around. He isn't fooling. This is not pretend. This is not. Someone said that's a bunch of emotion. That's what they say about folks like us. I got a PhD. I could have 17 PhDs.
0: And if I preach like this, they'd say, oh, he's just just being emotional. Was it emotional when my dad was a drunk and couldn't get out of a bar room and he's sitting at the bar and trying to get another vodka and the Holy Ghost come down and says, Alvin, this is your day. I need you to pray I don't swallow this cough drop because then it'll be more than my voice. We'll have to call a paramedic. I may need to get rid of this cough drop. Do we have water? Are we recording this? Brother Collins, I want this edited out. Play a hymn or something. <laughs> Praise God. So there's my own father. Lived his whole life. In fact, I wouldn't have even really known my dad if he hadn't got the Holy Ghost. Because my folks, my mother remarried and so on. My dad remarried. My dad remarried several times. It doesn't matter. I'm just simply relaying it. I'm trying to tell the devil tonight. He's a liar. And he can say all day long, it's just emotion. Just a bunch of folks getting all worked up and so on. I understand it's emotion. We're not stupid. Of course, it's emotion. The question is, is that all it is, is
1: emotion? And I tell you tonight, it's a whole lot more than emotion. It's the power of a God that knows exactly where we are so don't let the devil tell you that God doesn't care that God isn't working that God doesn't know who we are God knows who we are and he's doing wonderful works
0: he's doing wonderful works in some of you tonight come on let's give him a little bit more praise This, this isn't Phil this isn't Phil He's doing wonderful works in some of you tonight. And the devil's trying to steal it. He thinks you'll settle for a soap opera or some movie uh, a whiz or whatever. And, and in fact, the truth is that God is working in you and you're not going to settle for less. Praise God. Now, sometimes a child, like when I was young, Lord, uh, I, I would, I'm not very... Artistic. I can't draw. I can't really do a whole lot of anything, but I certainly can't draw. I figured that out way at the beginning, so I started memorizing, and I became more academic than artistic. And uh, but I used to try, and I'll never forget. I was making a little something, and I showed it to to them. I was a teacher, but she didn't mean any harm. And uh, she said, oh, that's such a cute little doggy you've made there. I said, that's my mom. <laughs> no, I wasn't making a doggy teacher. This is my mommy. So I, I, I understand that when a child, so, so when children are at play, that's why you make Sister French is uh, somewhere through the years, I forget when, but Back some, about two or three hundred years ago, way back there, she got this recipe for making pl- uh, pl- uh, <laughs> play dough. And uh, can you eat it? Yeah, you can eat it. I mean, if you're out of your mind, you can eat it. And, and, but so kids can actually eat it. If they, if, so in other words, if they happen to eat it, they're not going to be the end of your grandchildren. And then say, well, I made Play-Doh, and they ate it, and they, they, now they're gone. It, it's not the way it works. And, uh, and they could make things, and Sister French has been doing this. I remember when our boys were really, really tiny. She would have them making things, and I learned early on to be very, very careful when they brought it up. You know, oh, Daddy, look at this. I wasn't supposed to say. I couldn't throw our refrigerator. Well, sometimes I wasn't sure where the refrigerator was. Is that the refrigerator? That is the refrigerator, isn't it, hon? Because it was just covered with things. And every single one was a masterpiece. And I would say, hun, i I'm going to toss this group here. No, you're not. We still got them. Don't we? Some of them. What's that big stack of, over there in the back of the garage? You threw you threw some away. That, <laughs> okay, she threw some of that away, but there's a stack almost at the top of my garage that she did not throw away. So the idea is that being able to mold and play with it, that's perfectly understandable. And I think sometimes that if you can make a mental leap with me here for just a moment, that Satan likes... To fool with our lives in a way that he thinks is funny, he thinks that by confusing people and and uh, telling them you know drugs don't matter and and uh, hate doesn't matter and racism doesn't matter and all the things that he does to try to to, to play with people's Uh, minds and their spirits and folks we're living you may not recognize it but we're living in a world that is in serious trouble
1: and the devil is playing with men's souls telling them they're nothing but a dog I had a guy tell me I I, I,
0: I don't (laughs) I don't have any more of a soul than a dog that's what he said to me I said you don't know that you're just saying that. How do you know? Well, first of all, what do you know about a dog? What do you know about their soul? And what do you know about your own soul? Oh, I know that I'm no more. I'm no different than if you dropped a feather out a window, he said. And I just float around. See, that's the kind of world. So they, they take drugs that destroys their life. They, they do things. They're, they're into a world that is completely confused by the devil that's about us. That life's always a mix-up. The devil tells him that there's never really any hope anyway, and all Christians are just fakes. Tells him that almost every day. And preachers—they're the biggest fakes of all. And and uh, Christian Jesus—who in the world did Jesus think he was? And and why does anybody think they have a right to tell other people what to? And all this. See, the devil likes to take their lies and then just turn them into a complete chaotic. Result. Life's a game that we play, and it makes little sense. But tonight, God doesn't play. God isn't playing with your life. You're in the hands of a God that can take dust, and from the dust, he can make a beating heart. He can create. Now, we're we're disputing that in our culture, for all kinds of ways. We call it scientific that God could not have created anything. We don't know that. We just say it. Then we substitute, well, a, a big, an, an amoeba in the ocean eventually over billions of years became us, and then we wonder why they've got guns and they're blowing each other's brains out. In a world that says there's no God and there's no hope and I have no future. But I'm telling you tonight that God means business and that He intends to touch the hearts of men. He intends to take the clay
1: of their soul and do what is necessary. And when it's all done, the devil's gonna say, What in the world happened? I thought they were sinking in the mire of drugs and despair. And God's gonna lift them. From the miry clay. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands
0: one more time. God's not fooling around. God's going to bring them out. Hallelujah. And they will be changed in his hands. Now this truth I mentioned the other day. I'm going to repeat it. Please forgive me. And uh, let me go a little bit further. I know that uh, it's hard to listen to it when I'm this Like this, but this. Let me keep going. I I can't stop this quick. I've got to talk to you a little bit more. But it was Mother's Day uh, just a few months ago, and and uh, some of you will recall that uh, there was a tremendous tragedy that midnight this Mother's Day. I brought it to your attention. For one, it was a tornado in Arkansas couple blocks from my sister's church that's how i know about it that's how i heard about it for the other i heard about it through the media it was a bridge in the center of a major pennsylvania town so i'm going from one story to the other both are tragedies and i'm not uh what do you call it trying to uh take a tragedy and benefit from it that's not what i'm doing I'm referring to it because I want you to see something here. For the parents caught in the winds of the tornado, they had only a few minutes to decide what will we do. And the baby was in their hands. The little, in this case, it was a little girl. And, of course, you can look this up. Although they do, re, they do hold back certain information, so, but I do know a few things because my sister lived up the street. So there are a few fill-in-the-blanks that I do know, but they don't tell everything. They're certainly not going to release the name of that baby and so on uh, because that's uh, privileged and so forth. But, uh, but anyway, the, both, both parents, same night, a few months ago, it happened. You can look it up. I looked it up. You could look it up. On um, the bridge that I mentioned in Pennsylvania... I'll just reserve and not. I don't want to name a place just just for the moment because I'm, I'm not trying to single that city out that same moment it was almost like I remember it because I, I wept that evening as after Mother's Day and and as I read it I begin to weep because I saw in it uh, I saw I guess the tragedy of it like we all would and And so at almost identical moments, it was like, now some of you will say, well, that was after midnight and so that's technically not Mother's Day and so on. Well, okay. Then technically it was the next morning because it was a few minutes after midnight that the tornado hit in Nashville and that the mother made her way up this historic bridge in this famous city in Pennsylvania. The same night, one mother faced the storm, the other mother faced despair. And the question was and is and remains, regardless of what you think, some of you are going to judge me for, for what I'm going to say, and that I'm going to let you do it. I'm not, I'm not going to not say it so that you won't judge it. And that is, what would she do? What would be her decision? The baby is in her hands. What is she going to do? Passerbys, I read it rather closely, so it just intrigued me. They some they, When they noticed it first on the bridge, I'm now, of course, I'm in Pennsylvania. Is it okay if I go back and forth? I hope so, because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going back and forth, trying to show you that this was the same moment, same night. It was Mother's Day. It was a tragedy. And the baby was in her hands. I don't know why it is that that story struck me so deeply this is at least the second time that it has stirred me but the passers-by said they saw her she walked up to the center of the bridge she reached and i realized that please help me here i'm trying to be as cautious as i as as i can maybe not as i should be maybe i need to be just a tad more i won't look over here She walked to the center of the bridge, a young mother. Obviously, it was Mother's Day in this troubled world. And the, the couple that was driving across noticed it enough to where they stopped. And they said she took him from the, what's it called, stroller. Stroller. And she drew him to her face very tenderly, and she kissed him, and then she tossed her baby into the river. Well, of course, I'm not a psychologist. I know that people could be insane. They could be, you know, I'm not dumb. But no matter what it was, I can't comprehend it. I've read it again and again. I've looked at it and I've thought, no matter if she lost her mind, it doesn't make any sense to me. Kissed him and that was her decision. I can't take another day, perhaps, she said. As if it were, she was saying goodbye. Her own nursing flesh and blood. So, no, I'm. I don't judge her. I. You. It may sound like that. You may say, "Oh, you're you're you don't know her circumstance, and you don't know what plate." And you that that of course is my point. That I don't know her. And I don't know the reason. But I know that she was a victim, we could say. Or at least we could say the result of a world in which sin drew her to that bridge. Unless you want to just write it all off as psychology. Some will do that. And then they'll pass on to the next one. And that which was in her hand is tossed away so I'm contrasting the choices made by two mothers just a few weeks ago the child on the bridge in the hand of its own mother met instant tragedy and a hopeless end there's no question about it because as soon as she did it and I'm trying to pull away I'm trying not to be too graphic I've already done that and when she did what she did, then she, she uh, went in herself. And that is, I've read much more, but that's all that you would care to know. It's enough to make you want to get a hold of the devil who thinks he's playing around with people's lives. And it makes you want to say, devil, I may not be perfect.
1: I may not be the best preacher that ever lived. I may not know everything, but I know you are a liar. You are not telling people the truth.
0: I believe that God is trying to stir the church now. But uh, what about the storm? What about the howling winds? I found out a little bit more here. I'm going to repeat something here. The tornado that demolished an entire neighborhood in Nashville, Arkansas, a couple blocks from my sister. She went two days, no water, no lights, and so on. But her house was safe and, and uh, so on. But not, not the couple that made the national news. And of all the destruction that took place in Nashville that night a few months ago when that tornado came through and demolished that entire neighborhood, which was about a... Well, I don't know the actual distance, but it's up the street, up the road. That I know. However, whatever the distance is. And my sister's home was safe. No lights, no water. Town, no lights, no water. For two days. And then this neighborhood down here is destroyed. And, uh that little girl's parents heard the unmistakable approach of devastation because they uh the neighbors said that it was like a train and and you hear that quite often uh it would rip certainly i'm i'm trying to s- step into their shoes for just a moment they would know that if what they think is coming in those few seconds, I don't know the timing, how many seconds, I don't know. I just know what happened. I know what happened. It would certainly be impossible to hold that baby, number one, in the storm, which is what they would do. They would hold the baby. It would rip their very precious possession from them and it would uh, do exactly what it did do in other words they sized it up that it would demolish everything they would lose their lives I'm going to suggest that's exactly what they concluded they were going to lose their lives the paper actually said they knew they had no way to survive it Because now the others lived. Nobody that I know of, nobody else was killed. All those people walked out of there. Except the couple that I'm talking about. And the little girl. I mean, yeah, the little girl. She was in their hands. But this couple devised a plan. I found it to be quite interesting. That in the final moments, that mom and dad tied Quickly, you say, how do you know this? I, let, let me tell you how I know this. They tied their hands together. <laughs> That's what they did. That's, I kept wondering, how did they do it? They tied themselves together around that little girl. And I'm sure they prayed. He worked at the Walmart. My sister said he, she knew him quite well. And they wrapped their arms around their precious life. And everybody say, praise the Lord. Let me get my composure here. And they said, this won't do. We will be torn apart. So they tied themselves. They had the wherewithal and enough time Whatever that was, whatever that timing was, and they tied themselves with, and that was risky because that in itself could have taken her life. and And I don't have the, I don't understand what they did, but because the papers don't won't release exactly what they did, but they, I'm taking it that it was some type of a mattress, something like a a, a baby's mattress, maybe. They thought that would cushion, maybe a, maybe like the little foam that you could it must have been a bendable they wrapped they wrapped her around and so in other words if you're getting the picture i could be wrong i'm just trying to my best to understand the reports that they wrapped her in this a train like sound they've tied themselves around her <laughs> and wrapped her in some type of foam and they knew their lives were gone And when the storm hit, I mean, it demolished everything. Nothing was left. And no, all that they did did not save them. It didn't save their home. It all went up in the rain and the wind. Not a house in its path had one stone left on another. If you saw it, and this was nationally released in the news, that uh, it was unbelievable. You, you, you actually thought you were just looking at uh, like, what would you call it, like a garbage dump. That's what it really looked like. It was a neighborhood that just looked like a garbage dump. It just looked like a garbage dump. And they were counting. They went through. There was no uh, uh, water. There's no electricity. But they were counting the neighbors because this is an Arkansas town, Nashville. I have no idea how big it is, but it's not big. And so they were counting the little neighborhood, and they knew that they were missing these two. The guy that worked at Walmart and his young 22-year-old wife. And so, but they weren't found. Uh, every other person was accounted for. and uh, But these folks were not found. They were so tangled. That, that's, that's almost too abrasive. They were... In the debris, is that careful enough? They were in the debris and no one could find them until a worker heard it. Beneath a metal piece of roof, a little faint cry, they heard it. And that's why it made national news. A little tornado in a little tiny town near Texarkana is not national news. But a baby wrapped in its mother's arms and its father tied to protect it and left for 24 hours and undiscovered until the baby begins to probably knock cold and then suddenly begins to whimper and a worker says, I hear a sound. Folks, I want to tell you something. You say, Brother French, you really are drastic to bring a story like this to us. I'm trying to tell you tonight that as the story I am describing, now this is a tragedy that no mother, no father could have avoided. The woman on the bridge, you have to judge that for yourself. But we are in a world where it is time for us to recognize we can no longer play games. We
1: can no longer think it's going to happen just because I'm I'm a Pentecostal. It is God is calling us to a revival. And in the glistening of the new morning light, a rescuer saw the break in the debris and reached down. And there with the faint cry of a baby,
0: they rushed and carefully now they said, careful, careful, careful. They lifted the pieces closer and closer. This is going to make quite a story when they're all done with this little tale in Nashville. They found them. They were, of course, had lost all life. Death had claimed a young couple. But there they found the incredible picture of just how much they embraced what they loved. I wonder tonight, and of course the baby alive, does anybody believe tonight that God wants to give us a revival in these last days? Does anybody sense that in your spirit? I feel tonight that God is in this house tonight. He is working. He is toiling in such a way that he is drawing his church into a commitment that says. Come on, folks. No more just coming and going. I'm getting ready to come. There's a trumpet about to sound. Does anybody feel like the Lord is coming soon? I believe it is that sense of the trumpet sounding that ought to jolt us to do more than we've ever done. Praise God. Could we clap our hands and give the Lord some praise? Hallelujah. Now, I know some of you won't listen to me. I know that. I know that. I know that the devil's convinced this generation, this end time world, that it's all
1: hopelessness. And that it's just run to the bridge but God isn't fooling around tonight. He's getting ready to pour out his power like he has never done. He's just waiting for a church that's ready and willing. Praise God,
0: praise God, praise God. So the psalmist said, he has lifted me from the miry clay. Praise God. So Brother Castro broke ground uh, to build a building to seat 2,000 people. I started to say, Brother Castro, but you're running 700. You're running I almost said it to him. I'm so glad I wasn't so dumb as that. Because afterwards I thought, oh, oh, I'm glad I didn't say that. He'd say, oh, what do you want me to build? So I can't, small enough, nobody can get in there? No, we're building by faith. Folks, revival is about faith. Praise God. It's about faith. When Jesus healed the blind man, he demonstrated that God is specific
1: in his molding of the clay. He knows how to do it in just the way. He's not fooling he's not pretending he doesn't miss it he knows exactly what he's doing he's trying to tell us he's trying to tell us tonight church that he knows what he's doing
0: praise god praise god praise god praise god listen to this and i'm i know you think i'm not going to end but this is we're very very close to it listen to me so here's the Here's the account. We read it as our text, but now let me rehearse it or review it or look at it. He spit on the ground, right? All right, that's what they're showing us. I find this one of the most interesting, but the Holy Ghost is talking to us. Uh, I have more voice right now than I had when I got home last night. So I have enough voice to say what I'm going to say and then I'm going to sleep tonight. If you call and need me in the middle of the night, you better put the ringer on loud. Okay. So, the Holy Spirit is talking to the Jonesboro Church. He wants us to participate in an attitude that says, we're not just playing this. We're not just going through the motions. It's not about how good we sing. It's not about who our pastor is. It's not about the clothes we wear. It's about something far greater than that. We got a love for souls that is causing us to do something drastic. And so Jesus said, here's the blind man, all that. We've already read that. He spit on the ground. He made clay, the Bible says. King James translates it clay, and I like that. He made clay. And then the Bible says he put it in his eyes. Now, we're not done.
1: That's not the end of that story. That is not the end or the important aspect of that story. I'm going to preach this if it's the last word I preach. That is not the end of that blind man's story. It is not the, I've heard sermons, everything. I
0: love them. You can preach on every word of that in John 9. I love every word of it. I've heard about the clay and they put in his eyes, and that, that's awesome. I've heard some of the greatest sermons ever preached on this very, very subject. And i preached from this subject every aspect through my life. I've, I just, something about the miracle that draws me. But John is showing us much more. Let's read verse six, Brother French. Help me, help me out here. We're going to get thus, through
1: this. When he had thus spoken, he when spat on he, the ground. He spat on the ground. And made clay of the spittle. He made clay. And he all had, right, here we go. And he I'm gonna him? I'm gonna
0: summarize it. Some of you, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. To, to, but I'm gonna just give me another second here. All right. So he made. Where were we?
1: And he, he made clay of the,
0: of the spittle. Is that where we were? Right. All right. I can't sit here without a. Okay. All right. Keep going. Is that still verse six? Yes. I'm going to try to summarize it. If I stay up there, I'm going to go too deep into it. Here we go.
1: He made clay of the spittle. Yes, he made
0: clay of the spittle. Very good way to translate that. And He, anointed he the made eyes. clay <laughs> of the spittle. Okay, let's go.
1: And he anointed the eyes. He put it in his eyes. Of the blind man with the clay
0: with the clay say that again
1: and he anointed the eyes yes of the blind yes that's man right with the clay with the clay all right and said unto everybody him. see
0: this he's put the mud oh i'm gonna use that he put the clay on his eyes not in the sockets that would have been uh different the lord could have done it he could have put the clay anywhere he wanted but the lord could have done it but that's not what's meant he put it on by the way the greek word on and in are exactly the same word and so they put it on his eyes he could not of course he was blind everybody say from his mother's womb everybody say from his mother's womb his mother. in other words, they didn't just get a guy that had problems with his eyesight they got someone that was born blind and they even ask, what about this boy? This is not possible. This young man's something here. I mean, look at him, it's horrible. He's had to live like this on the street and, and beg like he is. And, and so the, Jesus took it and put the clay on his eyes. All right, here we go.
1: And, and said unto him. And he said to him, Go wash in the Go place. wash! Very specific.
0: He didn't say go find the local washroom and wash that off your face. He didn't say go to the little kidron that's running. See that right there? See that river there? Run over there and wash that out of your eyes. He said what?
1: Go to the pool.
0: Go wash.
1: Let's go back. In the pool.
0: In the pool.
1: Of Siloam. Of
0: Siloam. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Very specific. Now, we're not done. Keep going. There's a little bit more there. Which is by interpretation. Which is by interpretation, which means, of course, is to be translated. When it means interpretation, it means this is the translation of the word Siloam because the word Siloam is a Greek word that is taken, uh, see it there, Siloam. That, of course, is not a Greek word. That's not a Greek city. That's a Hebrew city. It's Jerusalem. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Hallelujah. Folks, I'm trying to show you something tonight. God is not playing with the clay what he is doing is very specific, and he wants us to get involved in what he is doing. And the interpretation of the name of the pool, Siloam, is sent, sent. because it's from the Hebrew word shalah, which has then become the noun Sheloah," which is this word in Hebrew. So Sheloah and Siloam, one's Greek and one is Hebrew. Interestingly, this pool, nobody knew where it was until 10 years ago. August August. the 9th, 2005, uh, Eli Shuk- uh, Shukram uncovered, how many remembers that the temple was destroyed and they came in and they burned the city of Jerusalem and tore down the temple? There is no temple. How many knows that? But remember that 70 AD they covered. We now know because of 10 years ago, they covered the pool of Siloam. With stone. And of course, the burning of the city and, and 2000 years of debris have filled it in. But now, of course, you could go in the last 10 years. They've dug it out and we have. The actual place where this man went and washed in this place, we now know that it's fed by a subterranean spring, comes up into the stone. It's literally, a, uh, I mean, I've never been there. I'm just going from reading and, and, and pictures and so on, But it's and, and, uh, and taking archaeology classes, that they uh, built that spring pool out of stone But there was one reason, and one reason only. John tells us that Jesus sent him. Let me say that differently, because the Lord could have any number of reasons he wants to have. But there was one reason that John wanted us to look at, that he sent him not to some other spring. Remember, there was uh, Bethsaida, right? Bethesda. There was all kinds of springs in Jerusalem. But I'm sending you to Siloam because it means sent. It is the Shalah. It is the spring of Shaloah. And that is where I want you to go. Tonight, I want to suggest this for a bedrock of revival in my closing words. The reason the clay was placed in his eyes, first in the hands of our Savior, and then upon the eyes of a man that was completely hopeless, was to show us that we are only made into the image of the
1: clay that he desires when we allow him to work in us, send us anywhere he wants us to go. Anybody that needs God is welcome. This door is open to anybody. The word "send" means I'm obedient to his sending shalom praise god
0: i am gonna go down now i don't do you think for one second this little guy said well i don't want to go to shalom or or, or, saloam greek says saloam the jews would have never called it that we understand it was shalom i think i'd rather go over here there's a little five and ten i could get a little washroom in there i'll slip in there and wash this off my eyes folks how many knows that god knows what he's doing We need to surrender. Let's stand uh, to our feet. Lord, we need to surrender to your will. And I want us to do this. Listen, listen. This is not a change of venue. I want you to just listen very closely. I wonder tonight if we could tell the Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Whatever it is, I'm willing. I'm, I'm willing to... Go where you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Then Saloam is alive and well. It's an artesian spring of truth that wells up in the midst of the church in these last days and said, Lord, I'm going to do your will. That's what I'm going to do. Praise God. Now, here's what's going to happen. I want you to hear me. I'm almost there. I'm almost at the very last word. Are you all about ready? All, Brother French, go ahead. What are you going to say? Go ahead and sing it, whatever it is. Just start it off. I want you to do this.